Sundays. So I was listening today to this, uh, when, like I have a few like go-to podcasts while I'm at work or commuting because I drive two hours every day. Um, More than that. No, I drive half an hour to work and then an hour and a half back. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's worse on the way back. Yeah, it's worse on the way back. But I listen to two, to a few separate podcasts. And you know, one of my favorite podcasts is Last Podcast on the Left, right? Um, yeah. There's, uh, within the same network, there's um, a podcast called Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. And that's hosted by Ben Kissel, one of the guys from Last Podcast, right? Okay. And he's a goddamn delight. Like he's awkward funny, you know? And <laughs> and he's like seven foot tall, three hundred pound guy, right? He's like a million feet tall. But he like comes across over like the podcast as like a big old teddy bear. But cheesiest jokes ever. Love it. Anyway, I was listening to uh an episode today on the way on the way home and they were talking and it's actually really interesting. Maybe you'll, you'll listen to it. But there's this woman that came on and she was talking about how, um, she survived being a stock, being stalked. Like the guy was like, threat, like, you know, the guy was like threatening to kidnap her and rape her and kill her and her dog and all kinds of shit. And when, and then, and she was in entertainment. So she had all this privilege of, of being able to be, you know, first on the list or people taking them serious or whatever. And she said, I can't imagine how difficult it is for some, for people who do not have all the access that I do to be able to get over something like that. She managed to put the guy in jail and, you know, got, uh, got a, uh, what's it called? A felony for it, which is the highest that you can get for stock, something like stalking. Right. Um, but he like, you know, he was, bad like like he was he had the whatever the um whatever the uh diagnosis is for what he thought he actually had a relationship with her this is the guy from the last podcast no, on the last on her on his podcast he brought her on and she was talking about her stalker oh okay anyway, she was talking about that and i immediately could relate because i remember when el grand Ducho was uh, after we broke up, like years after we broke up, he was still coming around where I lived and was saying he was going to shoot whoever came out on site, like, because he thought he was entitled to own me forever, right? Um, And I called the police on him so many times that my neighbor just stopped coming out to see what the issue was, because it was just an issue with my home, you know, like it was just Heidi again, right? But um, the police, she, she made a fair point. They're not trained to deal with it. But in her case, they said to her, well, if you changed your hair color and covered up, then maybe he wouldn't. In my case, they told me, they, the, the two LAPD officers asked me, they said, what are you doing to make him do this to you? And I'm like, what the fuck? How is this my fault? Right. Like they were saying, how is like, like, what are you doing to make him act this way towards you? Right. And, and that was fucked up. And it took him putting hands on me in city of Inglewood 
for police to actually actually take some action on him. Yeah, I mean, it makes you wonder why the system is so flawed in that sense. Right. So in that podcast, Ben makes a great point. He's like, is it so difficult to get legislature passed in order to stop these things from happening or severely punish these things that happen so as to deter others? Is that not happening because those same people who do that same shit are the ones in charge and making the laws. And it's like, yeah, it's like the mouse building the mouse trap. Like, of course it's going to not work, you know? And, and it just suddenly made just so much sense to me. And that in addition to a specific call I got today is probably why I'm a little on edge. <laughs> I see. Yeah. I, I didn't know how to, I'm just sitting here listening <laughs> to you and I'm like, I should just let her vent. This is a therapy for her and she needs it right now. So, um, and, and you're sitting on a nice little therapy couch while doing it. So <laughs> you, it, it matches your, um, your whole vibe over there. <laughs> Well, I'm now I'm getting teary-eyed. Thank you for giving me the space. Is ah, sometimes you just need to let it out. All right. Well, if you don't, I didn't know that I was triggered like that. It's good that you do because if you don't let it out, you might become a maniac. <laughs> one of two thousand. One of two thousand <laughs> many maniacs. You never know. You just might become one. But can I just say something else before we sure. get into this movie? Sure. Um, I did have a stalker before. I had lucky you. <laughs> Just kidding. No, I mean I did have a stalker before. Like what she said, like was very triggering, and it wasn't, you know, my abusive ex. It was this guy I went on one date with that my friend Marvin. You remember my friend Marvin? He was his coworker at some law firm, whatever. We went on one fucking date, and I did not like him. But then he started showing up everywhere I was, and one time. Marvin, Marisol, and I went out dancing to Circus, which is the gayest gay club that ever gayed. And when we got back to Marvin's house, because that's where I had left my car, he was sitting on my car at Marvin's house waiting for me to get back. And I've never, like, Marvin is super passive, like, super, like, wonderful, beautiful soul. I've never seen him get aggressive before to defend me. It was scary as shit. He was just uh, kicking it old school. Kicking it old school? Yeah, you know, that's how like the, um, that's how that old generation had to do it. They had to like stick with it. Remember how we talked about on uh, <laughs> the the other movie? Um, shoot, which one was it? Oh, where, the where, the where, uh, the well, wolf yeah, man? the wolf, the wolf man. man. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what he was doing. He was like, I'm going to do this old school. I'm just going to sit there on her car and I'm going to wait and she's going to say yes. She's going to keep coming at her until he she says yes. He rang the bell. <laughs> you know why my mom's house has cameras? He used to ring her doorbell at 3 a.m. I didn't know your mom's house has cameras, but uh, <laughs> now I know. Yeah, there's cameras she, out in the front. Is she like uh, worried about like, Surveillance, big time. What? What's? Uh, I mean, well, I guess it's, it's, it's not. South it's not central. A, it's not uncommon, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. Nowadays, it's not uncommon. Everybody's got a ring or something. But yeah, he was fucking crazy. Um, he was fucking crazy. Anyway, uh, crazy. He was a maniac. He was one of two thousand maniacs. Maniac. <laughs> Today we're talking about. If we did intro music and stuff for our episodes, uh-huh. this one would be a maniac. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Our last episode was Rock Lobster. 
<laughs> Actually, yeah. You know, if we're not worried about, you know, monetizing and all that, we can add that kind of stuff. It doesn't matter. We're not on YouTube anymore. We can throw in little clippets songs and stuff. I don't see how. I mean, we do it until they tell us no, I guess, right? Uh, or fine us. You can pay that? No. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, it you just, got money to burn like that? If, if, I have some If it's bills. like that, that means that we have enough listeners out there that it made a fucking mark. That told on us. Remember, snitches get stitches. Yeah, yeah. We're kicking it old school over here. Old school. <laughs> I'm going to go sit on your friend's car. Yeah. I mean, Mess up the paint job. That's how I see it, you know? It's just being persistent. Oh, like, no. That's stupid. That's stupid. But you know what's cute? In 2000 Maniacs, there are two two main characters, Connie Mason, who plays Terry Adams, and William Kerwin, who plays Tom White, and he plays a character who she picked up as a hitchhiker because his car broke down, right? They're actually mar- they were actually married in real life. I oh really? They met on another HGL film, uh Blood Feast, oh, and then she asked okay. him to put him as her uh, other on this movie. Yeah. That's so, cute. So we did, uh, we're doing two HGLs very close, not not back to back, but close together. Um, <clears throat> this one, completely different in style <laughs> than um, the other one, the Gorgor Girls. Well, the- so the Gorgor Girls was one of his last like gore horror flicks, right? This was his second. Okay. Well, this one in its own right is a... It's, Real it's, humdinger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so racist in so many ways. Been some, and in some ways, I feel like that everybody in the movie wasn't really playing a part. Like they were just some real deal, like Southerners. The South's gonna rise again. Yeah. Like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, it was filmed. So, 2000 Maniacs from 1964. <laughs> it is an HGL Herschel Gordon Lewis. For those of you who don't know. Um, he is the godfather of gore. Yes, we've discussed uh, He this wrote before. and directed this movie. Um, it's his second horror gore flick. Uh, HGL novelized this screenplay and made it into a book that is highly sought after. Um, you mean this is a... It was it's, it's, a movie It's now first a story in a book? That, yeah, yeah. So... But it was filmed... In 14 days in St. Cloud, Florida. <laughs> Florida, like my friend at work says, Florida. 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 And t- um, it used residents as, as the extras. That's why I Okay, used, well, that makes yeah. all the sense in the world because I know a lot about St. Cloud. And in what certain you know places, about Cloud? in certain places, St. Cloud, the South has already risen again. Um, you don't want to be down in those parts. Maybe that's also why I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, St. Cloud is a, is a funny old place. It's uh, um, old. T- is it like a racist town? Is it like a sundown town? Basically, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's south of Kissimmee. I know. I thought it sounded familiar. Yeah, yeah. That's where lives. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know anything about St. Cloud. I know uh, that I remember visiting your friend Beep uh, in St. Cloud, um, but that was it. Yeah, St. Cloud has been newly renovated. It's it's all like, you know, 
new lands and new homes and new apartments and all that. So a lot of the people that are moving to Orlando or that, you know, like Disney area, um, they can get big homes for or nice apartments and stuff for a lot cheaper. Did I tell you about that guy in Celebration, Celebration, Florida? You mentioned something. I don't remember, he, though. He killed. He's a fam- family annihilator. He killed his um, his a- wife and two kids and their dog. It's a nice metal band name. Family <laughs> annihilator. <laughs> he killed the dog? Wait a minute. He that's, killed that's, his, his kids, that's his wife, and his dog. far now. And, um, you don't kill the dog, okay? Well, I, I showed you this fi- his picture and everything, right? I, I showed you the story. Was I he, paying attention? Probably not. Um, but he uh, was apparently was like this uh, supposed to be a murder suicide to to go, you know, sacrifice themselves to be able to meet God in heaven or whatever. But then he was stout on himself and didn't and killed only everybody else and not himself. And then I was listening to one of my podcasts and they, they talked about it this week also um, because they're Florida boys also. And uh, they mentioned um, that. In actuality, he was running from fraud charges in like New England somewhere. Fucking New England. <laughs> well, St. Cloud is a um, place where, and yes, in the deep parts of St. Cloud, it's still pretty much Cracker Town. It's south, and you don't want to get caught around there. Is that where that 10 foot alligator was? Possibly. I don't know. I'd have to look that up. I don't remember. So, when you live in Florida, how often is there an alligator? In your backyard? The further south you live, you probably could have a lot better chance, you know, um, but... So, the, so the, the, the more south, the more alligators? Correct. So, where your family is now, that's less alligators? Correct. You don't find them crossing in your backyard or anything. Occasionally, you'll see them in, like, the retention ponds... Um, which are like these tiny little ponds the, the, that, that back up against people's houses. Yeah, yeah. But th- like we're, we saw one over the course of 20-something years that we've been there or whatever, um, maybe two, one, two, maybe three uh, tops, and they never were like crossing in our backyard or whatever. But not to say that it can't happen. It definitely probably has in other areas. Do you remember, uh, maybe last year sometime, I showed you this video of this guy who trapped an, alli- uh, uh, an alligator in his trash can while he was in his flip-flops? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's very Florida right there, for sure. For sure, yeah. So so they filmed this movie in St. Cloud. They used actual St. Cloud residents, which now I really know why it does seem very authentically racist and stuff like that in <laughs> well, some ways. Well, so <laughs> I, have, I have some thoughts. Oh, so my mind was going two ways on this movie. I had seen this movie before, but I didn't remember the ending until, you know, obviously until I watched it again. But um, I had thoughts on it. But uh, let me just give a quick overview. Um, Do your thing. 2000 Maniacs exclamation point. Uh, is a movie about six people who must survive Pleasant Valley's centennial celebration. Uh, again, written and directed by Mr. Godfather of Gore himself, HGL. Um, and it was inspired by a 1954 film, 1954 film, holy shit, Brigadoon, 
where two American hunters get lost on a trip to Scotland and find themselves in a town with people who lived as if they were living 200 years prior to that. That sounds kind of interesting. Yeah, that sounds like I want to watch that. Um, um, I Yeah, I, I think that does sound a little bit more interesting in, in this particular one. Um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought on that. But no, I like the idea. That one does sound interesting. Okay. Um, then it then inspired John Waters' 1970 film, Multiple Maniacs. And that is a film about traveling troupe of sideshow performers. They technically were labeled freaks in IMDb, but sideshow performers who rob their unsuspecting audiences. Gotcha. Now, 2000 Maniacs has also been credited as being influential on Toby Hooper's film, Toby Hooper's 1974 film. Your favorite film. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> vroom, vroom, motherfuckers. Yeah, we're still waiting for that episode. <laughs> we'll do it. We'll do it. Um, now, also, um, both of those, uh, 2000 Maniacs and The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, are technically exploitation films. What's that? Hicks exploitation films. It's uh so I, I exploiting it, Hicks an exploitation film subgenre based on stereotypes of the people and culture of the South. So like a black exploitation is black culture, but hillbillies. But and this is uh, Hicks. What's the difference between hillbillies and Hicks? I don't know. Have you heard of those people? They're blue people. They're blue people. The Smurfs. <laughs> oh, I did remember what I was thinking of before when I kind of spaced out. The 1964 part of it. Like, to think that this is such a gory movie. Again, like, in some weird way, I don't know why, but Mary Poppins sticks in my head as <laughs> that movie came out in 1964. Yeah. And, yes, I was a child who happened to watch that movie. And... um I don't know. It was the shit. Yeah, but I just, so for some reason, when I hear like a movie like this came out the same year, I'm like, what? Because I. Both things can exist. I know. They do now. (laughs) They always have in our lifetime. But for some reason, thinking back at my grandparents and other things like that, like, I just can't imagine a world where Mary Poppins and 2000 Maniacs are playing somewhere in the same theaters somewhere. Like a double feature, yeah. get no, the kids out early. But this had to <laughs> definitely be like more of a drive-through, drive-in uh, movie yeah, theater. Yeah, I think most of HGL movies were. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it's a little difficult to not well, be that about- when you have this kind. Like, is it's not like it was the um, the epitome of award-winning performances sure. and everything, and the gore. Well, he definitely is a godfather of gore, right? He shares shares the title with Fulci. Um, It's not like, it's super like spectacular and splattacular, if you will. Um, But it also has, it evolved so quickly, so fast. And we saw that it doesn't have to be super gore to be effective. Like in Texas Chainsaw, the hook thing. 
Right. It you talk happen. about this all the time. So it doesn't have, <laughs> it, it's like implied gore, like implied violence. Yeah. Well, but this one, there was definitely a lot less, like the, it compared to the gore. It was gore subdued. Girls. Like, yeah. He, he definitely like, was toned down in this. There's one. definitely an evolution there. So I'm wondering, you're saying this is his second one. So was the one before this, was that one extremely gory where he Blood had like. Beast? Yeah. You don't remember? We saw that one. I don't know. I feel like whichever one it was probably looked like he was chopping up meat like steaks and shit like that um yeah but, but yeah. i don't remember the storyline or anything i don't remember how much gore is in that one compared to this one and compared to gore gore girls um but i think this one more mostly was uh i thought when we were watching it that it was a commentary on how um how mob mentality can take over a group of people because in the movie you see like everybody's in on this centennial. Like, so the centennial is the hundred year anniversary of this town. Now, this, the way this town is celebrating is they are going to kill six people that are Yankees because, and I will quote, um, at the end of the Civil War in 1865, a group of renegade Union soldiers laid waste to a town of Pleasant Valley. Um, and then there's a plaque erected, and that plaque goes on to state that it stands in memoriam to the townspeople killed in the attack as a testament to the vengeance pledged in their memory. So this there's a pledge that every hundred years they will come back and take lives of the Yankees, not the baseball team, but people from the South, right? So, so I thought I already was like calling a little bullshit in my head because I'm thinking like, wait, a centennial, a hundred years, all these people weren't even alive when this shit happened. So why would they be holding on to some okay, traditional thing? Just for so like long? the fucking people do with the Confederate flags. Now the Confederacy lasted four fucking years and there's honoring the soldiers. The soldiers have already passed. And well, I'll just go in through a whole thing about the Confederate flag if you need me to. But it's stupid. People hold on to the so dumbest they things. They feel like they're the chosen generation because this was the 100th year, but then none of them will be alive for the next one, you know? Or um, will they? Well, see, that's where, yeah, finally when it gets to the end, it makes more sense. But in this, it, because of that, I kept thinking like, this. there's something off I with didn't, this story. I, I could still... Sorry, go ahead. I want to also point out we're skipping over one of the biggest things that this is more of a musical. There's song and it's comedy and like he, you know, it's it's, it's not like slapstick. Yeah, yeah, it's not the whole the who you know the who done it murder mystery thing like the gore gore girls like let's figure out who this person is or any of that kind of stuff. It's literally you know these guys like singing and playing songs the whole time and it's there was uh, you know. also no nudity and there was uh which i was a little disappointed about well considering that this movie stars connie mason as the main character terry adams as i mentioned and she was the playboy playmate of the month in june of the previous year to this movie oh, nice was she the final girl yeah. yeah and she was also in hgl's blood feast as i mentioned she was in that with her husband and that was the character that played alongside her in this yeah, movie as the, well. Yeah, the teacher who was trying to, who was a hitchhiker that was trying to go to teacher yeah. convention in Atlanta. Yeah, I, uh, until they explained it, I didn't know who the fuck was what. And like, I was just, you know, there was a lot going on. And I, again, had seen it one other time before as well. So I kind of remembered a little bit about it. But um, yeah, it's just very, you know, like, um, 
what I want to say it's reminding me of some old cartoon or um old like 1980s kind of like Beverly Hillbillies or something like that, you know? Right. So that feeds into the exploitation part of it. It's um character characterizing. Yes. Um people from the south. Yes. And not just people from the south in general, but a specific group of people from the south. Yeah. Now when you w- w- knowing that, I now can f- feel like I can give it a whole like different pass now because it's intentionally trying to be funny for that reason instead of it being like, oh, these people are just overacting. Right. So, but what I was trying to explain earlier um, was I thought that this was a commentary on mob mentality because, yes, it it's it character character. You have problems with that word. <laughs> Caricaturizing, Caricaturizing. Um, people from the South. But not only that, because they were using... Oh, so in this movie, people die, right? And the first <laughs> death, in the first death, um, you see that there's some people who were like, all right, all right. But then the, most of the people were like, oh, shit, what just happened? And they were kind of like taken aback and they kind of were like wanting to step away from from what was actually happening and wanting to distance themselves from it. But they were already, quote, in too deep based on the characters that were leading it. So I thought it was a commentary on mob mentality and then being confronted with the, um, with the uh, consequences of your actions when you've, when you've gone and, um, and done the thing or, 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 or oppressed or whatever, similar to like the January 6th insurrectionists. They were all like, Oh yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. And then, they fucking hid afterwards so that they could try to escape like uh, consequences. Like that's what I thought it was. It was commentary on mob mentality, and then what happens when you're confronted with the repercussions. Yeah, I didn't get that at all from their faces. I just thought that they were obviously terrible hired background actors. Right. So they didn't. So the first death that we do see is um is what's her name B. And she gets her arm chopped off, and then they put it over a what's it called? Yeah, they, they like roast it over a skillet. Yeah, while over, singing over. a song about roasting her yeah. arm. But then, um, the talent people don't see that death. That death happens behind closed doors between the three lead, um, uh, violent people of that town: the mayor, and then his his two other guys. Yeah, Rufus right? or Rufus and the other guy, right? So those three guys kill the first victim off, like, behind closed doors. Sure, yeah. So while they see her arm roasting and they're celebrating that, they don't see an actual death until it's her husband, John, and he gets quartered. He gets tied (laughs) to four horses and dismembered, right? Yeah, now that's some pretty old school shit. Correct. But that's when you see the townspeople pause and are like, oh, shit, right? That's why I thought, oh, Okay, so interesting that he included people's what would be, quote, their probable reactions to seeing something so violent. Because you can 
easily say, yeah, let's fucking do this. Like, okay, you see this all the time. I'm gonna fucking beat this bitch up. I'm gonna fucking kick her ass, whatever. And then they get confronted and all they do is talk shit, right? Because you can only go so far. Naturally, we as people don't want to kill each other. That, that's that's why it, when, when somebody does kill somebody, it takes such a massive toll on who that person is afterwards. Um, we naturally don't want to kill one another. Yeah. So uh, I, th- I found that to be very, very fucking interesting. And, and I was actually really excited about that until we got to the end of the movie and it was something completely different. Right. You got really deep into all of this. I mean, like, again. Because I, I took cinema. And- <laughs> I mean, I didn't even think HGL was trying to do any of that. Yeah, I don't think at he all. was either. I think he was just trying to make. A goofy a good, comedy, goofy, gory ass I, movie. It's it's yeah. It's not even like supposed scary. Like there's no real scare scare factor. It's not like I said. It's not a whodunit. It's not a mystery. It's just this. You know, you, these people. You're meant to believe that these poor, you know, travelers just stumbled across this crazy town full of these people that want to celebrate this. Um, like you know that there's something off even before the first killing that because you see them like you're the guest of honor and well, you're here. Not only that, <laughs> the very beginning of the movie, the movie starts like this. The, um, there's a guy hiding in the trees. And when he sees a car with a license plate from the North, he will flag down his partner. That, okay. See, I didn't even catch that, but that makes sense. He'll flag down his partner and his partner will put down the sign um, of where they're going and put up a detour sign and make them go an incorrect way, leading them into Pleasant Valley, their town. So they're purposely and intentionally uh, targeting people from the north and leading them to a town that is off the beaten path. Like, in fact, there's not even a road. It's just a dirt small path yeah yeah so just listening to you talk about it is making me realize that i still like didn't even scratch the surface and and notice these little details i didn't know that they were picking out people from the north i mean that makes sense because they call them yankees and whatever i just because they they did let a car pass and i didn't know they were southern they had georgia plates Mm, okay see this takes place in georgia in 1965 all right yeah so um so there are deaths, right? So there's there's two cars that make it through, and that's uh, the first car has B and her husband John, and then David and his wife Beverly. The second car has uh, Terry and Tom, the, te- the the more conservative, like the teacher, and then the other woman who was just picking him up, right? Right. Um, okay, and the deaths are like this: um, there is a town floozy and a town hunk. And they go and they separate them one by one and start picking them off. One is B. She's the one with the arm chopped. Two is John and he gets quartered. Yeah. And he gets beautifully quartered. Like quartered, he sounds juicy. Um, Then it's David. And it's the most interesting death because they take him to this top of this hill and force him to get into a barrel. And he thinks he's going to take the barrel and roll down the hill. Yeah, he, which he doesn't even want to do. They just push no. him in there and mm-hmm. force him. But the, like, you you want to go ahead, tell him what the best part is. You tell him. The nails that they drive into the barrel so that this thing has got like spikes on the inside. It's and, like an Iron Maiden barrel. Yeah, and they roll them, roll them down the hill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was off very bad. That was off. Run, I'm going to keep it in. <laughs> no. Run. 
To the hills. Roll down the hill. Roll down <laughs> and die. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, that, yeah, that was, I think, one of the best ones. The- <laughs> yeah. So then, of course, he dies because he gets him, you know, just stabbed repeatedly coming down this hill with those nails. I thought the next one was was kind of lackluster. Lame. Yeah, the old teetering T- teetering rock. rock up there. <laughs> they spent a See, lot of time on that one. If I I really should I don't know like approaching the movie that way, knowing that it was just a big goof, and I guess it should have been known because of the musical score and the soundtrack. But I What's was the song. The South will rise again. <laughs> yeah. Robert E. Lee, they talk about, and I don't know. It's just a whole nother thing. But and and that's the thing too. Like those guys who were who were actually playing the music, I feel like they meant every word. I did not think that they were just like, hey, we're hired musicians and we're gonna play some songs for that sound racist. You know I felt what like they were as? really racist musicians. They're listed as the Pleasant Valley Boys. Yeah. Well, <laughs> They're just all banjos, like all banjos all the time. No, everywhere. no, no. There was only one banjo player. No, I mean like the soundtrack. It just sounded banjo to me. Remember when we were watching it? I was like, <laughs> banjoed I, you? <laughs> I was like, I can't hear a banjo ever again in my life. <laughs> yeah, there was one banjo player and two guitar players, um, but the, but all I heard was fucking banjo. I got yeah. banjoed to death. Yeah, I died. It's it's funny because I don't that music. If you play that. I mean that speed and that like intricacy. It's basically almost like metal, but it's uh, twangy. Yeah, yeah twangy. <laughs> um, twangy metal. Yeah. Do do a um, do a uh, hillbilly version of "Run to the Hills." Go. No, <laughs> I can't. I don't think. Come I can't. On. Uh, what do you? I don't know. Like a hillbilly version of "Run to the Hills." You want me to sing it like a hillbilly? Is that what I you're saying? I want you to play it like a hillbilly. Oh, on, <laughs> on, on a banjo. On a banjo? Well, I don't have a banjo. Wait, I was going to tell you about the blue people in the hills of Georgia. Oh, please. Yes, the Smurfs. Tell the me Smurfs. about them. So, I don't remember what they're called. I didn't research this. I didn't plan it. It just came to my head while we were talking about it. But there are these, they were this group of people who lived in Georgia who were blue because... They were so inbred and they happened to have this one specific gene in their body that as they, be, as they continued inbreeding, it just made their skin blue. Is, I swear to is, you. Is this is scientifically made, documented? Yes. Let me just bring it up. The blue. You know, I don't believe anything people. that even if it's oh, on it's the internet. it's in Kentucky. What? No, it's just absolutely true. The blue fugates. And they lived in Kentucky. <laughs> I think you're mispronouncing that word. <laughs> Maybe. Look, they're fucking blue. And that's because they have a certain genetic defect that alters their that's, pigmentation. No, no, no. And That's a Photoshop. No, it's or not. What the fuck? <laughs> they look like they fucking ate that thing from Willy Wonka's uh, the blueberry pill or whatever. <laughs> not the is. blueberry pill. It was gum. <laughs> it was a whole meal. Oh, man. Um, it really did happen. Look, this is on NBC News. Um, so they inbred so much they turned blue. Yes, yes. Um, and well, how many it, how many generations of inbreeding was that? 
It was spanning 1800s to 1960 until they actually found what the issue was. So about and, 100 years, a centennial. Yeah, a centennial. So uh, it was um, turned out to have a rare blood condition called methemoglobinemia. And it was a recessive gene was pairing itself to its change in molecular composition of their blood, making it brown instead of red, which tinted their skin blue. Okay. Anyway. I'm glad I learned that. <laughs> anyway, it was funny. I think all they did, they gave them like a, a quick, I, I don't remember if it was an inoculation So does that mean that all this, oh shit, that's why the Smurfs are blue. Because <laughs> Papa Smurf was inbreeding. I mean, they would have to. They're such a small community. Yeah. <gasps> and there was only one. Wait, is that why they're blue bloods? Who's blue bloods? What are you talking about? Aren't blue... Blue bloods? Like people who have blue blood? What are you talking about? I thought blue blood... Blue blood. Blue bloods is a TV show. Blue bloods is a TV show. But I thought blue blood came from somewhere. Yeah, your blood is blue until you until it touches the oxygen and that's what makes it red. Oh. Blue. <laughs> blue bloods. <laughs> Do they eat strawberries? <laughs> You get it? I get it. Oh, it's a gang joke. Oh, the meaning of blue blood is membership to a noble or socially prominent family. Okay, so if you have blue blood, you came from privileged noble families that were wealthy, but also probably inbred? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So much of the, um, of the idea of a lot of history is all inbred, you know? Like... Like you just said, you need lot, to diversify all of these, um, you know, <laughs> monarchs and kings and queens and all that. If they wanted to stay within their bloodline, you know, they had to marry within their family and stuff like that. And, you know, like I remember King Arthur's story when I first read or, you know, anything about Excalibur and King Arthur and all that. They had, that there was a whole thing in the book where like his sister sleeps with him, but she like changes his her. uh identity or or she makes him for some i forgot whatever but there was in you know weird shit like that incest and inbreeding and and um what i was looking for something did you find it <laughs> no well <laughs> so it wasn't one of his more gory films um you still saw some so when old teetering rock all that was was um they had what's it what's the game called when you throw a ball a dunk tank yeah like a but the yeah. thing on top was a big boulder and they had to force her to lay down, and then the townspeople took turns throwing a ball or a rock at the target mm-hmm. until finally someone hits it, and it squashes her to death, and she's bloody. So mostly of the gore in this particular movie was just paint blood, which is my favorite blood, right? I thought it looked like ketchup at one point. Yeah, sometimes it did. Um, so it was just fake blood, and it was implied gore. Yeah, now the whole time I'm still trying, when you were looking at and finding these like in-depth things going on, I was sort of looking for that. And that's why I was like blinded by the fact that I was like, this whole centennial thing, like, why would it mean so much to anybody? They they weren't around when it happened. It was just something that would have been folklore. But we find out that they were. We find out at the very end. Yes. Because, uh, what is it? Uh, what's her name? Terry and Tom escape. Uh, they escape by tricking this little 
probably insane boy. That boy. Let's talk about Billy. Let's Billy, talk, let's who talk about hangs him. cats for fun. Yeah, he has a little noose in his hand, and he's like an annoying, obnoxious. He's like, "You got candy? Give it to me now! I want it! Then, I want to drive this car!" Yeah, and uh, he's—they're able to sway him and and get the thing, what they need, the keys and where they, the car. They or trick whatever. him into giving the location of the car and finding the keys for them. Yeah, but he's very annoying, uh-huh. and I wish they would have like slapped Run him, him over. The, yeah. Something. Well, they did at one point pull him out of the car and leave him there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but um, they escape and they go. Uh, they go into town and they find a sheriff, and the sheriff is like, "There's never been a town called Pleasant Valley." And mm-hmm. then he goes, "There is a legend," and he tells them about the same legend. Right. Um, but they don't find it. They find tracks and they hike into the wilderness to try to find it, but they don't find it. They stop just short of where that plaque was, which then disappears, and we find out as the audience that. These people were there. These are the They were ghosts. the slaughtered They people, are the right. ghosts of the slaughtered people, and that's why they could come back with such vengeance. Yeah. Now, did you notice that there were rules? Because when they were, when they had, uh, they had to get back. Remember when mm-hmm. the two guys, uh, Rufus and whatever, and they were like telling the guy in the quicksand to come on? Like, stop being stupid? Yeah. They were like, we got to go. Otherwise, we can't come back for the next 100-year one, you know? Yeah. So I think it's the portal, let's say. But I think it's more like the portal will close and you won't be able to get back. Therefore, you're going to be dead, dead, instead of able to come back with us for the next 100 now, years. I have, I have another question. If it's a centennial, it's a 100-year thing. This, what what year? 2065. No, no, no. I'm going backwards. How many of them would there have been? 1865. I mean, this is the first centennial. It was the, only the first one. Yeah. So they were. Th- this hadn't happened before. Right. That. So okay. the, it, the the slaughter happened in 1865. So this is the first time they the were going to come back. The first 100 and- years, yeah. And then uh, the, se- the second 100-year celebration, the, so it's a 200th year celebration, that would be in 2065. And they're talking about, well, maybe next time we'll have rocket ships. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Well, again, I was trying to read into it. And I, you know, I did think that the whole, you know, ghost story element of it at the end was kind of a cool little twist. I, um, yeah, I I thought that was a funny movie, but it just had so much like, I don't know, the song and the dance thing, like it just got, it gets old for me after a while. That was fine. I just, from HGL, though I have to do take, I do have to take a step back and remember it was the second film. Um, The gore wasn't there for me. No, definitely wasn't. Um, Like I, I recognize he's still finding his place and still figuring shit out, but it just wasn't there for me. Yeah. There's a lot, like, I, I feel like that it was a funny movie, and because, obviously, I like to smoke a little weed and shit before we watch <laughs> the movies, that I could, I found it, I found it a fun little ride, especially since it had a lot of racism in it. It made me wonder, again, like, how much of it was, was real? Like, was HGL kind of projecting his true thoughts through this movie? Or did he just, you know, like you said, when it's a exploitation, okay, well, Hicks are mostly probably racist, so that makes sense that that element was there. Um, and it was, you know, the 60s, so a lot of that was still very prevalent, um, yeah. unfortunately. But Yeah, and man, oh man, were there 
um, Confederate flags there. Yeah, all over that town. All over the motherfucker. Yeah. And I mean, I Confederate flag. I mean, the Confederate was an unrecognized republic of North America, and it only existed for four years. What is it? 1861 to 1865. Really? Was that all? Four yep. years? Yep. Um, and it was only after the South lost and entered a reconstruction period um, where the U.S. ended slavery and gave um, black Americans citizenship and voting rights and stuff, um, did they take that flag like almost immediately and say, well, no, no, we were fighting for um, a pr- like against aggression from the North and we were fighting against excessive taxation. We were never against slavery, you know, or I mean against ending slavery or anything like that, which is absolute, absolute bullshit. Um, they just wanted uh, to continue using that as a symbol to try to keep them on the quote top of the social ladder. Yeah. Um, it's strange times and strange yeah. part of our history, you know, like the people who came here from Europe were trying to f- run and f- flee from oppression and a worse life you know and so they get over here and then you got people dividing amongst each other do the same behaviors though right and then now you've got people literally i mean this country right now in this current state is pretty torn and divided amongst you know a lot of different groups but to have it at that point in time you know where you literally have a split up in the country and there's a, a you know people literally i don't know like complete opposite points of view on how they want to treat human rights and and things like that you know well here's my unpopular opinion i think that the the way this country has gone even more lost has a lot to do with the pandemic and the fear and people don't know how to process their own fear because in our society we learned to repress, 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 right? So I feel like a lot of it is the fear that's being processed outwardly. And that's why people are being so much more vocal about the shit they don't agree with and how people are being more violent and dangerous and disrespectful to one another. Because we've always had people that are just dipshits and they've always existed and they're always going to exist. But right now with... The scare, the the fear surrounding COVID, plus the ease of access of not just obtaining information, but also putting information out there because of all the social media platforms. Like both of those things combined, um, really have escalated things and put us in a place where who knows where we're going to even be three years from now? Who knows if we'll even exist as the United States? Because people don't realize how good we fucking have it. Yeah, we've really struck a nerve today with you. It's uh I hate racists. It's uh, <laughs> it's something, something. I'm in the mood, man. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just like I guess I should just let Heidi rant and go let her go, you know? I mean, I'm not a Heidi my, rant punk. My my pers uh my point that I was making was the idea of, you know, just living in a country that was so divided that half the you know, the, the North and the South, two sides entirely were fighting, you know, each other because of the different points of view. As bad as it is today, we there are there are tragedies going on for sure. I'm not blind to that fact, but it's not to the 
that extent yet and hopefully it won't get to that extent where we're divided and like have like different states fighting one another like that that's going to be some crazy shit you know well my um my family's from el salvador and that's exactly what happened there was a in the 80s there was a civil war in el salvador and it's still healing from that yeah and and the thing is i think that's how we're supposed to learn from all of these past events is you know, sometimes, yes, the war and the fighting and all that was necessary to be able to get certain outcomes um, or whatever. Um, but but looking back at it, though, we really shouldn't revert to that as being the, the answer. And right now, you know, it is so easy because of the things you mentioned, social media and all that, where people can just say whatever the fuck they want to say without the repercussions. It's, it's um, not necessarily creating, you know... A, more i don't know i just feel like it tears people apart more and more we're getting like there's this whole thing i was hearing recently about how you know and this is something i'm not even i know this exists but there's you know literally businesses now where people are are you know have bots and pages and stuff that are like fake but they're out there built to look like they're real just for propaganda purposes so that it can make you know you know start you know, bullshit amongst people. Mm -hmm. And then these are like, you know, things that are being run in other countries where they've got a room full of people that are behind computers that are running programs that put out, you know, all these fake ass fucking posts through the world. And it creates this divide amongst the country. And they're almost like getting us to hate one another by using, you know, the technology we have today. Yeah. Do you remember um, earlier in this episode, I talked about that guy who killed his family. He was actually yes, follow- I remember. Sorry, you know, I I saw you nod um <laughs> in the middle of drinking your your beverage. Um, he was actually I guess indoctrinated by these videos that he saw on YouTube. Like people don't understand that's not what research is. Research is not watching a video by somebody who you haven't researched properly, you know. And all of that is creating, and then that's created by bots and people purposely. Um, putting up misinformation out there. You know, the Confederate flag, it was um, it was a small bit of something, but then it became part of a fad and then it became a moneymaker and companies found that they can just throw that flag onto things and people will buy them. Yeah, and, and, well- and they're basically, um, it, it became big mis- business and still full of hate. And it's uh, profiting off of people who are ignorant and and loud and have the incorrect kind of pride because all they know is the false narrative that they that has been passed down because people didn't want to acknowledge that they lost the fight. Sure, you know. And now it's a little bit scary because we have the flag of the United States. We used to be able to see it and say, oh, that guy was probably in the military or thank you for your service, you know, or, oh, uh, that person uh, probably was just naturalized, you know, or that person sure is proud. But now you look at, I see a car with the American flag and I'm like, oh, that guy must be a racist. That's, I think, um, first of all, that's not everywhere. And I do know that that you tend to feel that way. Um I tend to feel that way based just off of personal experience. Yeah, and I can't say that you're necessarily wrong, especially where, 
you grew up and and how things are in that area. I think that there's a good portion of the country who would not see it that way, but definitely, you know, I don't know. I mean, not saying that you're wrong, but I, I, the flag flying thing, you know, I don't know. Is it the patriotism and all that? Like, w- really, we, un- we it's it's all about what was in the history books, you know. I go to I go to sporting events. I I sing the national anthem with pride. I am respectful. Um, I am very very thankful for everybody and, and the entirety of our system because there's a lot of good things that come with it. Does it need reform? Sure, absolutely. The whole point is continuous improvement. You don't just want to build and stop there. Like, sure, this tin roof works, but why not build an actual house? You know, so that that's what I would like to continue seeing. But based on my experiences as a brown girl growing up in the hood and going into schools in affluent areas, yeah, that's my experience. Yeah, I'm not saying you're wrong. You know, I mean, it's unfortunate that that's become that way where, you know, I used to really honestly, like you said, it's military or military family members, but also um, I always would, I don't know, flags to me uh, were near the coast or or where people like had boats like and and uh not i don't know it's just i guess in new england you know there i can uh, remember seeing people who have like a flagpole in their yard and it may not even they'll probably have the american flag yeah but they might also have like some sort of maritime flag or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. some you know just little things like that like so i, I don't know I, I get what you're saying and it's just i don't know the thing is Right now, we're in a very unstable place. There's a, a lot more than 2,000 maniacs out there. Yeah. And, you know, we got we to gotta pull, pull it together as, as a human race. But that's a whole different podcast. In this podcast, we like to accentuate the gory facts, which this one didn't have that much. And I was, you know, again... Can I be perfectly transparent? What? This is basically a ghost film, right? It wasn't scary like i i i actually fell asleep during this movie it took me two tries to watch it i had seen it before so i knew what the movie was but i fell asleep you got through the whole thing and that's unheard of no it's not (laughs) no it's not you're such an exaggerator oh my god um yeah, I get it. I, and I'm actually glad to hear you say this because this is probably one of the first episodes where you have found some things that you're digging into about the movie that, you know, you're, you're very, um, you a like, bitch. no, well, you like a <laughs> lot of the movies that we watch. And I mean, for. Because it's my jam. I love horror movies and I understand each subgenre yeah. and why each subgenre exists. Right. I understand that there's a place for this movie. And I understand that. It's his second movie, and I understand everything about what this movie is. I'm just missing the things that draw me to um, horror movies. I have this friend who is a fucking brilliant person, and I asked her recently, you know Gormley, I asked her recently, why is it, maybe I can find it, oh no, I don't even have my phone here, Uh, why is it that I am attracted to and intrigued by horror true crime gore and violence like why is that what i'm drawn to as far as entertainment like movies and stuff right oh you're not the only one yeah correct but she says that it's probably based on my trauma and i want to be prepared for 
anything that comes at me. And I mostly probably watch it as a way to prepare myself for an eventual uh, uh, assault of some sort. Sure, I can see that. This movie, I cannot relate to any. I'm not going to put myself in the middle of uh, (laughs) a a know-nothing town in in Georgia and, and be like, sure, I'll... I'll be your token brown person. Sure, I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, you know, this was also over the course of a couple days. Like, come on now. I I would have smashed the gas and drove off and just, you know, been out of there. Well, um, it was that whole Southern hospitality, like Ludacris said. And um, it was the charm of, you know, Foghorn Leghorn over there saying, come on in, we'll be our guests. You know, you're our main guest, your guest of honor. Well, I I do um, think that if you go back to the 1964 part and you say, "Hey, you got Mary Poppins here or this movie here," I can see they're I'm both, choosing Mary Poppins. Sure, but they're both musicals, and then this one is a lot more bloodier and supposedly gorier than well, the, the for the time. Yes, yeah, for the time. For the time, yes, absolutely. Um, um, I, not my favorite HGO. No, not mine either. And um, I, you know, again, like. It was like you said. It wasn't a scary thing. The whole ghost aspect was sort of. It was all cartoon, but that's I guess as a hick exploitation movie makes sense. But it definitely I could I could see this as being like a an old you know Looney Tunes episode kind of thing almost. Yeah, you know? well because they have Foghorn Leghorn, the mayor who was played by Jeffrey Allen. Um, that was his thing. He was able to do whatever accent, and he like caricaturized it. Ha <laughs> ha! You got it. You got it. Um, well, this this particular, uh, I don't know. I mean, we've been doing this little lottery system now. I don't know if we've mentioned this to the listeners and all, but the we have a little lottery system where we've been picking movies that way instead of just, uh, I don't know, we, we, we kind of switch it I'm up here and there. just randomizing it. Yeah, and this one happened. So the, the fact that we did two HGLs very close to one another was just random. It was just the universe um, providing. Yeah, but this, <laughs> this one... It gives you, well, you know, you said the other one was his last one. So I don't know if he, he must have, I still, I have to compare it There's to the first curve. one. There's a learning curve. I have to, I, I'd have to see Blood one. Feast Blood or Feast. whatever to see. But I, I feel like that one would be gory if he's trying to make his it point. It was. You know? I, th- I think that one is better for me. Well, we'll have to watch it. Yeah, interesting. Um, but I yeah I don't have much else to say about this movie. I do find it funny that it was uh, filmed in <laughs> in your uh, backyard. Not my backyard. I live you know whatever. I I had to live in Orlando, Florida, and yes, Saint Cloud is not too far from there. But I don't claim Florida. Sorry, my dog is snorting cocaine in the background. Yeah, <laughs> I don't claim Florida anymore. Now I've been in Los Angeles for the past seven years now, maybe going on eight. I can't remember. Um, so. Happy to be out here in the West Coast. You know, we've been doing this podcast for three years. No, has it been three years? Hmm? We haven't even reached a hundred episodes because yet, we though. take breaks. Okay, well, <laughs> well, now we're doing the Sundays, and so that kind of like sprinkles in in the between. So yeah, I feel like I, we're doing more episodes than we realize because they're not numbered. Right, and also we're going to be rolling out double scoops soon. A double scoop. Like mm-hmm. a double feature? Kind of like a double feature, but it's this versus this. So, for example, I think the first one we're going to end up doing is Ringu versus The Ring. Oh, okay. So when we did 
Carrie series, would that have been a triple scoop? <laughs> yeah, that's when you have the two on the side and one, one in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> no, it did still be double scoops. Um, because I think 2000 Maniacs could have qualified because there was a remake with Bill Mosley. No, it's not a remake. It's oh, 2001. 2001 Maniacs. And funny mm. enough, I'm really intrigued and I want to watch that movie because number one. Otis. Well, yeah, Otis, and I believe Freddie's in it too, Robert Englund. Really? I think he plays the mayor. But but here's what I'm more curious to know. Did they, A, make it a musical, or did, B, did they go over the top with the gore and make it more a little bit more scary it's and vicious? It's called 2001 Maniacs Field of Screams. See, now that's what I mean. I feel like what they did is that, you know, whoever put it together is one of these people that's going to be like, all right, well, we know that the first one was a little bit like, you know, uh, slapstick comedy, but this, we're still going to, I bet it's still comedic, but I bet it's way more gorier. And comedy I, horror, yeah. I also believe that there's probably not a musical soundtrack playing. Oh, I'll this. give you the synopsis. When this year's round of unsuspecting Northerners fail to show up for their annual Guts and Glory Jamboree, the residents of Pleasantville, Pleasant Valley take their cannibalistic carnival on the road and head to Iowa, where they encounter spoiled heiress Rome and, Ro, heiresses Rome and Tina Sheraton and their cast and crew of their Road Rascals reality show. It's probably like uh, Paris and Nikki, whatever. What are not. Paris and whatever. Uh, yeah. Um, and then performing the bloodiest show on earth, our Southern maniacs prove more than ratings killers in what John Landis has called one of the rare sequels that surpasses the original. See, but the, okay, but now if we're judging it on that. I don't want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, because the original is, you know, okay, I'm not really. No, so here's the thing I didn't like this. They said Bill they Mosley's went to. the mayor, I think. So then isn't Robert Englund in it? Or is am I wrong? I mean Freddy Krueger. Um Ooh, Lynn Shay's in it. What I didn't like is they said they went to Iowa. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Like, hold on a second. You went from fucking Georgia to Iowa? I think it's I think it's doing kind of like um John Waters multiple maniacs did in that they, you know, it's a sideshow performers. I don't see Robert Englund in here. But I thought there was a remake of the 2000 Maniacs. Oh, maybe there's a remake and that has Robert Englund in it. You got the computer. Ask uh, ask your buddy over there. You ask your buddy. 2000 Maniacs. There's a TV show. No. Hmm. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, 2001 Maniacs. Robert Englund. Lynn Shay. 2001 Maniacs? 2001 Maniacs Field of Screams. Oh, that might be a sequel to Robert Englund's. And, and Robert Englund plays Mayor Buckman. This hmm. came out in... Uh, doesn't say. Came out in 2005. Uh, yeah, and the other one came out in 2010. See? Oh, I see what's happening. 2001 Maniacs Field of Screams is is the sequel. The sequel to this 2001 Maniacs with Robert Englund. Let's do this as a double scoop because now I want to watch it. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Well, we're going to be maniacs, maniacs. (laughs) 
<laughs> you already are. Yes. And that's all for me. Thanks right. for stopping by. All right. We'll see you next time. Don't be racist. Please. Okay, bye. To check out what we're doing, visit us at icecreampodcast.com or you can find us on social media at Ice Cream Parlor, the podcast.